Welcome back into We're Talking Tonight. We're talking football with Dave Amato. Dave, let's talk about the defense. Let's go there for a little bit, and let's talk about the guys. Let's start at the defensive line. Uh, looks like I yeah, just looking at the, you know, they played Eastern Kentucky, and let's be clear, Eastern Kentucky is an FCS program, but uh, they gave up a lot of yards to, to, to Eastern Kentucky. They did. They got outgained by 100 yards in that game. Almost 100 yards. I think it was 97 or 95 or something like that. But they got outrun, outgained by quite a bit. So where do, where do they start on the defensive line? Are there any size there? I'm, I'm seeing some guys, but at the same time, I don't want to be – I hate to say too judgmental because Zion Williams is not the biggest of guys, but at the same time, he's the baddest of guys. Zion Hill, you mean, not Zion Williams. Yeah, Zion Hill Green. Sorry. <laughs> green. That's right. Let's get it right. It was Zion amazing. Hill Green. I apologize yeah. to Zion oh. Hill Green. And you're definitely not Zion Williams. You you play every game. That's right. That's right. So <laughs> so last year's team gave up about 438 yards a game, and 200 of those were on the ground. So they were a team that gave up a lot on the ground. Um now, against Eastern, Eastern Kentucky, it was completely the opposite. They gave up almost 500 yards of total offense, but of that, 351 were through the air and only 141 were on the ground. Now, if you watch that game, what you would see out of that was Eastern Kentucky was playing from behind, quite not, not a lot, but they were always playing from behind. So they were, they were playing, they were two touchdowns down, they would have good score, and they always kept it close but they always were from playing from behind. So they were throwing the ball a little bit more. The, the, the fear there is that last year, the strength of this defense was the ability to stop the pass a little bit, and they gave up a lot of yards on the ground. This year, they, they gave up a lot of yards to a team like Eastern Kentucky through the air. So I don't – it's going to be – I don't know what to expect from them. They do have – some talent there. They've got a defensive end, Jose Ramirez, who's 6'2", 251. He's an edge rusher for him. Pretty good player. Um, he finished last year with 63 tackles, but he had six and a half sacks. Um, and he was a guy who was originally recruited to Arizona. So he's a, he's a solid player. Um, they have Alex Merritt, who had five starts last year, 6'2", 286, and Jordan Crawford, 6'1", 330, who's there their nose tackle, um, but he only had 19 tackles last season. Um, so, so really it's a, it's a, a little bit different defense from what they had last year. So that might be where you see some of that. They given up more in the passing game than they were in the running game, or it could be that the game just flowed that way. Um, so, so I, you know, we're one game in, so it's really hard to tell. They play a 4-2-5 defense, which always is a little bit concerning for me for the team you're playing against, because if they're not super strong on the defensive line, there's a lot of gaps in the middle, right? Because now you have five defensive backs. You only have two linebackers. There's a lot of space between, line, between the defensive line and the defensive backs, and there's not a whole lot of people to stop things. Um, so, so we'll have to see what we can do against them. We didn't run the ball this well against Southeastern. We didn't run it poorly, but we didn't run it great. This might be a game we try to run the ball, establish the run a lot more considering they've got some holes on the defensive line and they've running a 4-2-5 defense, which I think has, leads us to either show, throw short passes over the middle or power really go at that front four and try to beat them. Interesting, you know, that. You know, the game was really 42-27 with three minutes left in the game. and But they essentially let uh, Eastern Kentucky uh, get the ball at will and move it down the field for, uh, you know, in, in two minutes to get that last score and drive. But at the same time, it's one of those things that you have to think, okay, FCS opponent versus FBS team at home. And same thing in similar to us. How generic, how vanilla was their defense compared to what they're going to see this week i think again both teams pull out a little bit more but yep. again this game is not the one that's going to make or break it for uh for the cajuns same thing for eastern eastern uh michigan 
it's going to be their conference games and they're playing for a conference championship first before yeah. anything. No, I, I look, I think in, in the minds of the Eastern Michigan fans, they are, they need to see how they stack up against a team like us reading everything that I've read on their message boards. They are assuming that we are the 13 and one team from last season. They are, they are kind of scared of playing a team like us. We're we're the team that they want to be, right? Um, but look, they feel that they have some confidence going into this game that they might be able to beat us. So I, I think you're right. They're going to throw some things at us that, that we don't expect because they didn't want to show it against Eastern Kentucky, and they're going to want to show it against us. So we're going to see some different things. Um, you know, Taylor Powell was a guy who was good enough to start at Troy. The assumption is he's got some more talent than he showed on, on, on Friday night. So we're going to see. We're going to see what we, we're up against. This is a team that – this is a big game for them. And, again, it's not going to define their season, but it's a huge game to tell where they are, where they have improved or where they have, have regressed. I, I, I agree. I think that, that even though I said what I said, at the same time, you know, you've got a team with the Cajuns coming in on a 14-game winning streak and a, a very good team. It, it would say a lot for them to beat us. Oh, yeah, but we're, we're not the 13-1 team that we were last year. But at the same time, they got slapped around by Liberty 56-20 to 20 in a bowl game. And we slapped around Liberty pretty good. But that was, a, that was a little bit of a different defense, a little bit of a different offense there for us, too. So yeah. yes. if you're listening yeah. from Eastern Michigan, hey just rally Ron here, you know, just throwing it out there. So what about where, where do we moving on to linebackers? Where is the linebackers? It, you know, I I'm looking last week at their tackles and everything. Three of their top four tacklers were the, from the linebacker position. Yeah. The fourth, the fourth one was from the defensive back position. So is this the strength of the team or is it just something? It's by far the strength of the defense. Uh, they've got some talent there. Uh, they do lose a really good player in Tariq Spice, who was a linebacker for them, uh, who was their leading tackler last year. Uh, but they replace him with a pretty good one. They've got a transfer in from Boston College, Joe Sparaccio, um, a 5'10", 226 transfer from Boston College. And, and he wasn't a guy that sat the bench for Boston College. Now, he wasn't a guy who was a main starter for him either, but over his, he's a senior transfer. Over his four years, he had 61 tackles at Boston College, so he played quite a bit there. Um, we've got another really good player, Chase Klein, uh, who played in 24 games for them over the last three seasons. Uh, I'm sorry, he was a transfer from Michigan State, um, who played 24 games in three seasons there. Um, and he had nine tackles against uh, Eastern Kentucky. So he's a, he's a pretty good player. TJ Peavy uh, is a position they call dog. He's a safety slash linebacker hybrid, uh, but he had 43 tackles last year. These are, they've got, this is the strength of the team. It's in the linebacking core. And, and that's where we'd have to be careful with them. And again, it's that the two linebackers and then that dog position guy who plays that safety hybrid uh position in tj bb so he's going to be a guy we got to watch out for i think uh the other two chase klein and joe sparicio are going to be the other two guys that are going to really uh be the guys that you got to watch out for let's move on to the uh defensive backs it looks like to me to me the the one uh defensive back that i was talking about that that was uh in on the tackles last weekend or i should say in the top four of tackles last weekend was tj bb that you yep. mentioned earlier. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. So we talked about him a little bit. They do hit a player back this week. I heard Coach uh, uh, Creighton talking about him. They've got a cornerback, uh, Kempton Shine, who did not play last week. Uh, he's a 5'11", 168 uh, DB for them, and he finished with 43 tackles. So he's, he's going to be back this week, and an opposite of him will be Mark Lee. Uh, at cornerback, and Lee played in seven games last year. Only had 16 tackles, but four pass breakups. So they're, they'll be pretty decent at the cornerback position. Uh, and then their three safeties, we talked about PV already. Um, 
and then uh, Russell Vaden and then Blake Bogan, who they really liked a lot. He had 45 tackles last year. Um, he played in eight games. He started four because he had injuries all over 2020. Uh, he only finished with 10 tackles, um, but he led the team with three interceptions. So the guy, the guy's a good player and didn't play a lot. Um, so we'll, we'll see more of him, I think, uh, in this game. So they've got a pretty decent back half with the linebackers and defensive backs. We're just going to, we're going to have to, I really believe we're going to have to block well and control the line of scrimmage. And that'll allow us to do some things that we, we, we are capable of, and we didn't necessarily do it against Southeastern. You know, you look at their, their, uh, defensive backs and you've got six, three, six, two, uh, you know, some pretty good size there. But when you talked about Kempton Shine, it seems like that's a that's a guy that the Cajuns should be able to take advantage of with Jefferson, LeBlanc. Uh, I mean, hell, Johnny Lumpkin. Uh, oh, you know, oh all, my God. Yeah, I, I know what we're not talking about because we're talking about defensive backs, but oh my gosh, I got to give a shout out to how well Johnny Lumpkin played on, on Saturday night. And he is, if he can play halfway to what he did on Saturday night, he is going to be, he's going to be a, 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 he's going to be tough to guard. That is a big physical man. And when he got here, he didn't have the greatest hands. No, he has, he has improved tremendously. Those two catches he made for touchdowns were both very, very good plays. He's a, he's, he's man. How do you guard that guy? Eight receptions by the tight ends. I think that might've been the uh, total, uh, a couple years, you know. Yeah, so. and look, we, we we saw a little bit of Neil Johnson. We saw a little bit of Pierce Beagle, but yep. Neil Johnson's that threat that he can kind of play that hybrid wide receiver position. Johnny Lumpkin's a defensive back's going to have a hard time with, with both of those guys. And if Pierce Beagle does anything in the in the passing game, watch out. Well, I think that's what that's what's part of it. I mean, the biggest part to me is you know you've got a guy like Johnny Lumpkin. If if he gets involved in the game. You're going to have to take somebody, more than one person, to cover him, and then that opens up a Jefferson, a, a Peter LeBlanc, a Pierce Meagle, because Pierce Meagle, even if Johnny Lumpkin's in there, he's playing as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I was going to ask you, because I don't know the answer to this, and I know we're jumping a little bit all over. That's okay. Um, I Well, first of all, I know Peter didn't have a catch at all. I didn't see much of him in the game. Was he in? Did you hear anything about injury or? No, he, he was in the game. There were a couple of balls thrown his way okay. uh, that were overthrown uh, or were not. Um, I don't know if they were th throwaway balls or what, but there were a couple of ball okay. thrown his way. And it may have been one of those things that they, I mean, did coming into the game, did you expect Johnny Lumpkin to, to have as no. many targets as? All right. So, I mean, it might have been one of those things that, you know, that, that uh that southeastern said hey we're going to take away their their, their guy and yeah. and and if somebody if somebody if johnny lumpkin can beat us then let him beat us well you know what johnny lumpkin <laughs> yeah. beat you he really did he really so, did I, also another player that had a really good game and we don't talk about him very often uh dalen cambry uh absolutely had, had a couple of big catches in that game as well and he's not a guy you normally point to and say watch out for this guy but another big, another solid game by him. So uh, really, really impressed with pieces of what we saw Saturday night. Yeah. All right, Dave, let's uh, take our next break. You're listening. We're talking with Craig Malonso and Dave Amato. We'll be back right after this brief timeout. Welcome back into We're Talking Today. Craig Malasa and Dave Amato, and we're talking football. Dave, um, lastly, let's talk about the, uh, the special teams for for, sure. uh, for Eastern Michigan. What you got there on the kicking game? Yeah, so they replaced both their punter and their place kicker from last year. And their place kicker and their punter were both pretty good players, and they're gone. Um we got to see the replacement at punter. 
didn't get to see the replacement of place kicker because they never had to kick a field goal in that game. He did kick some extra points. Uh, the punter is Mitchell Tom Tomesic. Uh, he's a redshirt freshman. Um, he had a pretty good game for them. He only had three punts. He had a 42-yard average. He had a 51-yarder, and he dropped one down on the three-yard line in that game. It was a you know a pooch kick that that he just dropped and died on the three. Um, so he finished with a 42-yard average uh, on three punts. So he he played pretty well. Um, the replacement at place kicker is Jesus Gomez, we think. Um, he has only kicked off for them a little bit, never really kicked in a game. Um, but he's an interesting story because he, he played high school ball in Mexico. So um, he's, you know, just not, not something you think of when you think of Mexican football, but He's, uh, he was recruited to play at Eastern Michigan, which has got to be a little bit of a culture shock for a guy who kicked in Mexico and then comes to Eastern Michigan. He, Michigan. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so we don't know a lot about their special teams as far as their specialists, their kickers. Uh, like I said, Tomasic had a, a really good game on three punts. It was only three punts, but it was three good ones. Um, and again, we don't know much about their place kicking because he was he didn't get a chance to really do much. They do have some weapons uh, in the return game. Uh, they use their number one and number two receivers uh, on kickoff uh, returns. Dylan Drummond and Hassan Boudin um, uh, are pretty good players, and there'll be some threats back there um, on punts and kicks. And then we'll also probably see a little bit of Jalen Jackson, the transfer from Lamar that plays running back. He returned some kicks at Lamar. So my assumption is he'll be back there as well. So you'll probably see Bay down. Uh, you'll see uh, Drummond and then you'll see Jalen Jackson as their return men. Sounds like they've got some possibilities there. Is that something that I think our, 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 our punting game Reese Burns will need to be on his game and oh, yeah. uh, same thing on the kickoffs. That's exactly. always something that's dangerous. Even, even a team that's not very good sometimes. Well, we saw yeah. what a difference maker a guy like Eric Garrett is. Uh, exactly. You know, with that 83 yard punt return that he had. I mean, he's, he, he, you know, guys like that can change the complexion of a game pretty quickly. Well, Dave, lastly, let's talk about how we did last week on our picks. Do we have that to? Yes, we come on. Why? Why? I mean, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, I mean, overall, I mean, uh, you were you were 11 and three on the on on the week. Oh, well, I'm proud of myself. I didn't look at it to know exactly how I did, so I'm very yeah. happy with that. Yeah, I was 10 and four. Uh, okay. So just you know, I, I think where we the the games that we differed, I, I picked. Uh, Southern Miss to win, which they had their opportunities. You picked them to lose, but you were right. I had Texas State to win. You had Texas State to lose against Nevada. You, again, you were right. Uh, we both had App State to, to beat North Carolina, and we should have been right if they would have we caught the have extra two-point conversion. We uh, been right. I had South Carolina to lose. You had South Carolina to win. I was correct. Yeah. Uh, we both had uh, Old Dominion, old, underrated Old Dominion, and to beat uh, to lose against Virginia Tech, and they came out on top. So, yeah, uh, I'll tell you, the, week one in the Sun Belt, you take a step back and you, you look and you say, <laughs> "There's a lot of good that came out of that weekend for the Sun Belt, right?" I think App State showed well. They, you know, the defense, it might be a little bit of a question mark, but their offense is not going to be a question mark whatsoever. Um, I think ODU, I think JMU, um, the, the Sun Belt did what it was supposed to do. The games that they were absolutely supposed to win, they won, right? They pulled a couple of upsets and then they lost a couple of ones that you weren't sure, a couple of toss up games, right? But overall, I think the Sun Belt showed themselves really well in week one. Well, you know, it, the game, the App State game, the Georgia State game, even for that matter, and the Troy game, those were all games that the Sun Belt were not embarrassed against right. where we would have been. I'm not, there's no moral victories. I don't want to, I don't want to, don't give me your feedback. Ah, moral victory. 
No, I don't want to hear it. No, no moral victories, but I think it was a better showing than what we would have seen in the years past. No, I, I, I can absolutely agree with that. I think you, you, you hit the nail on the head again. We don't, you know, as Cajun fans, we don't want to talk about moral victories, and I don't think we should do it as a conference. But ODU beating Virginia Tech was huge. Ole Miss, I mean, they beat them 28 to 10, but Troy was in that game. We saw what App did. Um, you know, Texas State was a little bit of a disappointment. I expected them to perform better against Nevada than they did. They didn't. But JMU absolutely demolished Middle Tennessee. Yep. And, and then Southern Miss played a really, you know, what we think is going to be a pretty good Liberty team and took them to the wire. And we think Southern Miss is going to struggle this year, right? Yep. And, 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 and we, you know, we'll talk about it briefly, but, you know, they got, they got another quarterback issue. Ty Keyes got hurt in that game. And listening to Coach Hall, He's not positive that Ty Keyes is going to be available for week two. Like, this team has had quarterback boogaboos for two years now. They can't afford anymore. Well, the, the uh, Southern Miss travels to the, the Miami. I don't think there's any doubt that Miami will take that game. But North Carolina, you know, I, th- I did not give Georgia State a chance. Uh, but how much of a drain is that for North Carolina over last weekend at App State? I think it's a huge drain. Man. Well, again, I just talked about how App State going back is, on the road too is, yeah. I guess, part of it. Well, the thing, and, and I'm just looking at it now, and I do you know there were 62 points scored in the fourth quarter of that App State North Carolina game? Yes, App State scored 40 in the uh, fourth quarter, which is an FBS record. Is and North Carolina scored. You normally score twenty-two points in the fourth quarter. You win. And you think you'll be all right. They scored twenty-two points and almost lost. They, that was an incredible foot. Everything about that football game was. But yes, going back to your question, absolutely. That's got to take North Carolina. It looks like they have some issues on defense, just like App State may have some issues on defense. But, so. You cannot question these two offensive juggernauts that they have. No. Uh, any change in your original pick from the beginning of the season? Do you do you do you think uh, Georgia State wins? Well, I'm a little I'm a little concerned with. Uh, oh, look, I'm a little concerned with Georgia State um, based on the performance that they gave. I was expecting them to do a little bit more. Um, against South Carolina, so I am a little concerned. And did I did I have them originally? I had, what did I have them losing to North Carolina? Yes, you do. Okay, no, I, I mean they're going to lose. I, I think again, I thought they okay. were going to beat. I thought they were going to beat South Carolina. I'm a little concerned with the way they played against South Carolina, and maybe South Carolina is better than I thought they were, but I don't think so. All right, moving on. Um... Cajuns at uh, uh, not the Cajuns crap Marshall mm-hmm. the thundering herd of Marshall uh, they are at Notre Dame uh, um, and mm-hmm. any any well, thoughts on changing your pick there no no Notre Dame's gonna win that game I hope Marshall puts up a, a good effort against them but uh, I I just think uh, I just think Notre Dame's just too good of a football team for Marshall and and I know Notre Dame's 0-1 and Marshall's 1-0, but but based on who they played, I I think Marshall's going to lose that game. I just want them to make a good showing. Absolutely. Uh, all right. You know, this isn't one we normally wouldn't talk about, but after the upset at at uh, uh, Virginia Ch- Virginia Tech, does Old Dominion come in? Uh, do they have a chance playing at uh, – Playing at East Carolina, so so East Carolina had a had a pretty good showing, right, uh, over the weekend. But yeah, I look. I'm not going to change my pick, but I do think JMU has a chance in that game. Old Dominion, you mean? I mean Old Dominion. I'm sorry, Old Dominion. I think Old Dominion has. A I don't think JMU has a chance at all. No. <laughs> sorry. No. I'm no, they that. don't. 
but they do have a chance in the game they're playing since they're playing, uh, I think, uh, Norfolk State. I was <laughs> quiet. We're, we're going through my thing here. No, no, I, no. I, no, so, I, I, I look, I think JMU has a really good chance in that game. And, and uh, that's, I, I think ODU is going, that's going to be a fun game to watch. And that'll be, I will be, I will be glued to the TV set uh, while that game is being played. Because unfortunately, I will not be at the Cajun game this weekend because I'm out of town. That's right. You're going to be up in Indianapolis. Yeah, beautiful downtown Indianapolis. Um, I'm trying to find it, but uh, any idea on the spread of the Ohio State uh, yeah, Arkansas State game? I actually looked at it this morning, but let me double because I've got it up on my screen. Forty-three and a half. Yeah, I was gonna say it was over. I knew it was. I knew it was forty plus. Yeah, it's forty-three and a half now. And I think Ohio State covers. Oh, I think Ohio State covers easily. I'm sorry, I'm still not sold on Arkansas State. No, you know. hey, but they did win their game. They but did, again, and and they did what they were supposed to do. And they did they did it with authority against the team yep. they were supposed to beat with authority, and they did. So, all uh, right, uh, here here's a game though that I find interesting uh, that you and I differed on when we made our original picks. Uh, South Alabama going to Central yeah. Michigan. Any changes there in your thoughts now? I yeah, I had them losing that game, um, and I'm going to be honest with you. The way they played, I I, I think they have it. Now look, Central Michigan's going into that game thinking that they've got a chance because they played Oklahoma State fairly. You know, they lost by 14, but they played them well. That's going to be a really exciting football game. I, I think, I, I think USA has a legitimate chance in that game, but it's going to be a really good game, and it's a, it's going to be a test for South Alabama to find out if they are as good as they played in the first week. Am I going to have to take my shoe off and knock you off the fence? Which way are you going? I'm, Win or I'm, lose I'm, for South Alabama? I'm sticking with Central Michigan because that's who I picked. They're favored okay. by four and a half, but I do believe that South Alabama has a better chance today than when I first picked it. All right. We got a couple more, but we're not going through them all. Why am I missing? Oh, is that why I'm missing one here? Do I have one that I'm hitting somewhere? Hide. Did we not pick App State in here? Did I accidentally delete them? No, we did originally. No, we did. Indirect. Uh, no, it's still coming up, so I must have it somewhere in here that... You moved it. Uh, but go ahead and you keep... App State, Texas A&M. I, I yeah, just... I, look... Oh, I found App, them. Okay. App, App played fantastic against uh, North Carolina. Just a, a you know good solid game. They should have had a chance to win at the end of the game. I, and North Carolina is a solid football team. I really believe Texas A and M is going to be a team that challenges. They may not win the SEC, but they're going to be a team that challenges for the SEC title. I don't think App. I think App keeps it close early, but I think Texas A and M gets away with it. Uh, the spread's eighteen and a half. App might get it under that eighteen and a half. But if they do, it's not going to be able. It's not. I, I think they lose by a touchdown or two. I think uh, Texas A&M's a, 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 a much better team. Honest, I'm. That, well, obviously, a much better team than North Carolina, and I think that App just exerted so much energy. Oh my gosh! Yeah. So. Oh my gosh! Yeah. No, I agree with that. I think it. Look, it'll be a fun game to keep your eye on. But, yeah. And I think Apple moved the ball against A&M. I just think ultimately A&M's got too many yeah. weapons all over the field. All right, the final game that we're going to talk about today to see if you changed anything in your mind, Georgia Southern at Nebraska. No. No? No. Wow. Yeah, but I, I do I, – so, so Georgia Southern, I got to give them a little kudos because, you know, they they did what they were supposed to do. And, and, and let me tell you this. Not only did they do what they were supposed to do, but they threw – and I heard Jay talking about this. They threw four touchdown passes, which tied a, a 
a team the record. The school record, correct. Yeah. Um, but look, it's a step up. Morgan State and Nebraska are, and look, Nebraska is not a great football team, but that's a, there's a lot of difference between Morgan State and Nebraska. You're going to Lincoln to play Nebraska. I think Nebraska wins that game. Now, the 23 and a half concerns me. Um, I think uh, I, I think Georgia Southern may be able to keep it within that 23 and a half, but I do not think they have a chance to win it. Gotcha. Well, it's kind of hard to argue with that part of it there. Uh, I agree. I think Nebraska wins. I'm not going to say it's going to be easy, but I, I just think, you know, Nebraska lost their game. They've got a little extra time. Georgia Southern is still not, in my opinion, still not ready for prime time. So, yeah. What well, do Dave, you think? What do you think of the Cajuns being an eleven and a half point favorite at Eastern or against Eastern? Uh, I think that's fine. I, I I think the over under is way too high, though. Uh, I I do believe the over under is way high. And, until, um. The, the Cajun office ha has to mature and, and they're not, they're not ready there yet either. So uh, I think they did a tradif, tr uh, tr tr terrific. Yeah. <laughs> Easy for you to say. Yeah. I think they did. I, I think they played okay and they, they did what they needed to do to win. I, I just don't think, um, you know, uh, you, it, it's hard to tell because uh, ben Woolrich would have come in when Eric Guerra returned the punt return for a touchdown. Uh, but at the same time, you know, it might have happened a little earlier than you have uh, Ben, uh, then you have um, Chandler coming in for the last series before the half. How does that change it? Yeah. You know, does Ben go down and score without the, the pressure of becoming the end of the half? Do, do, or do or does he not score and then Chandler comes in and has more time? You know, it, there's, there's so many things that could have played out different if, if Eric Gehrer doesn't return the punt and, yeah. and we'll never know that. And everybody can say this or that and speculate. Well, we won't know. I, I just think it plays out different. Yeah, no, no, I can, I can definitely see your opinion on that. And I, I, I agree with you. I think 56 and a half is way too much. I, I personally had to score somewhere around 31-17 Cajuns, which would put it around 48 for the, the, the over-under. Um, but, but yeah, I think the point spread's fine. The, the over-under is, I think, way out of whack until the Cajuns get that offense really rolling, and we see what they can or can't do. But I think, uh, yeah, 56 and a half. I'm thinking more closer to 31-10, so. Yeah, well, you got one touchdown. I'll, I'll go with yours if uh, we can get it. And maybe even 28-10, but, you know, it, yeah, yeah. it's still it, – it's close. It doesn't matter. I think the Cajuns win. I think the Cajuns uh, uh, beat the point spread. I don't – I think if you're – if you're again, and, and we ain't no one to be listening to, take the mm -hmm. under. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the only information I can give you. Take the under. Now, I hope the Cajuns score fifty six themselves. Yeah, but I, I don't, I don't see it. Well, Dave, thank you. I appreciate it as always. Safe travels, my friend. Well, thank uh, you, and I appreciate that. I know. Uh, I, I when I when I when we started, I said I'll be recording with Cody Juno, Danny Reed, and Chris Lano tomorrow. This will not air till Thursday, probably, possibly even Friday morning. Uh, so you will probably already have heard Chris Lano, Cody Juno, and Danny Reed still working on JT Crabtree, voice of the South Alabama Jaguars, to discuss a little bit more in depth Sunbelt Conference West play and his thoughts of around the Sunbelt right now. So lots to talk about, lots of fun time, especially with, with the first week of of football just having happened um it's gonna be fun man that's all i got no, to say it's it's gonna be a lot of fun i am excited i am uh just it, i'm glad it's finally here and now it's time to just enjoy uh i think this week they we don't have any thursday night games uh because nfl's on but i think that we've got a couple of friday night games sun belts all saturday so lots of lots of fun stuff to watch on Saturday for the sun from the Sun Belt Conference. 
Well, before we go away, how big is it for the Cajuns to play on the NFL Network? You know, it's a good question. I mean, look, I, I think I read today this is the first ever uh, Saturday nationally televised game for the Cajuns at home. Saturday primetime game at home. Right, uh, which I think that's a big deal. Now, look, I, if you're not looking for a college football game on the NFL Network, would I rather it be on ESPN or on a, uh, yeah, no, it's great. Um, I, I think people will find this game because they'll be flipping around their channels. They'll see it. And depending on, you know, what else is on, and I don't know, I haven't looked. I'm sure there are some really good primetime games that are going to be on. Um, but I think it's a big deal. I think it's a real big deal for the Cajuns. I, I, I think it's exciting for them. They should be excited. And, and, and we need to make, uh, you know, and, and, and look, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir for one, and then I'm saying, talking out of the other side of my mouth because I'm not going to be there. But again, um, I know the weather's going to be questionable. It could change. The weather will be fine. Yeah. Shut up. But yeah, but we got to get out. We got to, it's 14 game winning streak. We've won 14 of our last 15 games. We've won you know, double-digit wins for how many years? In a, we've got to get out and support these guys, right? I, I'm going to make every game I can this year, just like I do every other year, that I am physically able to do so. But we've got to get more people out there. We're going to be on national TV. we got to make it. I, kudos to the students, by the way. The students showed up well on Saturday yeah. night. I, I just think it's, you know, it's still an, it's still an NFL country. And people are going to be watching the NFL Network through the week and should see. I don't know if there'll be any more eyes on it. I doubt it because it's still a, for uh, lack of a better term, a subscription service. So, but either way, I, th I, I think it's a big deal and I think it's awesome. We'll have the uh, NFL Network to ourselves uh, and the NFL Network, like I said, should be uh, uh, promoting, especially you're going to see a lot of eyes on the NFL Network during the week because it's opening weekend of the. Yeah of the NFL season. So Dave, thank you. Appreciate it as always. Thank uh, you, sir. It's past my bedtime as always, but Mine hey, too. good chatting with you, brother. Uh, you've been listening to We're Talking. Tonight we've been talking football, Raging Cajun football, mainly with Dave Amato. I'm Craig Malasso, and thanks for listening. Welcome in to another episode of We're Talking Tonight. We're talking football with Dave Amato. How are you tonight, Dave? I'm doing good. I'm digging the intro music, man. Well, we're trying something new. We gotta, you know, we gotta play. We gotta, we gotta feel what's right sometimes. And uh, I've got a different one. I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to get you on the website uh, to have you pick out your own, maybe, so that there it's only go. used for you. Kind of my walk-up music, right? It's exactly. <laughs> exactly. I've got a few credits left to, to grab off of there. Um, can, can, can you get um, uh, uh, Baby Shark? That's what I'd like to have as my walk-up music. Uh, you know something, Dave? <laughs> I'm not sure that's going to happen here. Uh, you're lucky we have a family program I or I would tell you where you could kiss me, and it's not on the lips. So, Just kidding. No. Um, it's uh, it's music. I, I it, it turned out. I think I was I, you and I spoke about this last week a little bit mm -hmm. off the air. I was looking for a, a free version of When the Levee Breaks. Yep. And uh, and found uh, what I ended up using with Jay and I uh, yesterday. But um, uh, still, they they have some. Uh, none of it. It's all music by whether they're re-recording or have their own version of the song with, with different, um, um, it's, it's a small subscription fee and then you, you can purchase some music and you've got digital rights to it, to be able to use gotcha. it on your podcast or anything. So kind of fun to, to bit, to been listening to, I probably listened to about a hundred songs over the last 24 <laughs> hours. So, 
Uh, but I like it. I like it. I yeah. like it a lot. All right. Well, we're uh, this is not what everybody's here for. <laughs> is my fumbling and mumbling and stumbling. So, Dave, let's uh, we're going to talk some uh, football. Usually, we talk off the air what we're going to talk about, but. <laughs> Uh, I was so excited about getting the music there correct. Uh, uh, we're here for a preview of Southeastern. Again, Greg Molossa and Dave Amato. Uh, we're here for a, did I say Central Michigan? You said Southeastern. We South, you meant yeah. Eastern Michigan. Eastern Michigan. Jeez, my goodness. Got music on my brain, a drink in my hand, and, and, uh, and it's first drink of the night. <laughs> So maybe that's the problem. That is the yeah, that's usually the problem. All right, Dave, Eastern Michigan. But before yes, we get started, uh had uh Eric Dillo on earlier from the fifth quarter. I want to thank Eric again for coming on. Enjoyed talking uh to Eric for the first time in person. We've emailed and uh messaged on Twitter uh in the past. So looking looking forward to talking to him more. Tomorrow I'll be recording with uh uh, Danny Reed, Cody Juno, and Chris Lano. Not all on the same podcast, but on uh, at different times. So lots of information coming out. If you can't find information on uh, Cajun sports with what I've got coming up, well, then you're just not looking very hard. That's right. So about eight hours a week right now is what I plan on doing. Hopefully get up to about 10. Uh, very time consuming. But I will say this, Dave. Your reports have been very helpful. So, yes, I am stealing my information from Dave Amato. I will say that now. So, I'm Dave okay. has been a great okay contributor and not just a contributor to the podcast, is one of the uh, one of one of one of the very, very special guests. So, now that I've sucked up enough because I'm using all your information, uh, let's talk about Eastern Michigan. Uh, had a decent season last year. Um, but let, let me get what's your thoughts on overall on what they did last year coming into this year, what, what they've replaced uh, before yeah. we get into specific, specific positions. Yeah. I mean, doing some research on this team. I mean, they, they, they they've replaced a lot. They've got a lot coming back there. They, they were a pretty decent team in the Mac last year. Um, I, you know, you and I, in our conversation, I, I kind of compare them to the Ricky Bustle years of UL with a little more success, right? They've never really, uh, Coach Creighton has been there for, I think, nine years, and he's kind of been that five and seven to seven and six record. He's been to a bunch of bowl games. I think he's been to like four bowl games in the eight years that he's been there. Um, but it's really been a six and six records or six and seven records. It's never a 10 and two. It's never a nine and three. It's, it's either five and seven, six and six or seven and six or six and seven, depending on the bowl game. Right. Um, so while EMU doesn't have a long history of success, he's been a guy who's brought some success to them. And I think they're in that, that weird zone of, man, you don't want to get rid of Coach Creighton because he's winning, but you don't know because you're afraid what you get will go backwards, but you don't know if you don't, you know, we always said, I, I said that as a fan with Bustle, with Coach Bustle. I love to have a Coach Bustle, and he brought us to a place that we hadn't been in a long time. And people were calling for Coach Bustle's head, and I kept saying, look, we're in a better place than we were before he got here, right? I mean, <laughs> We, we should be happy with what we have. And now we've seen the difference of going nine and four and then going now 13 and one, right? So they've kind of in that zone of what's the next step? Do you stick with a guy who struggles to be right around 500 or do you go to the next step? And, and this guy has a history of winning. He's won everywhere he's been. So I think the, the, the thought process is, let's continue to let him roll with it as long as we're competitive in the Mac and he's been that way. So um, they're, you know, middle of the road to better, you know, top tier Mac team to, in my eyes, uh, a year in and year out. Uh, I would tend to agree with that. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I, I know looking over your report here that, that uh, yes, you send to me out of courtesy uh, each week. Uh, it seems like they've got some replacing to do. So. 
They do. They do. Uh, they bring back a, a handful of guys, but they, they, they've got some, uh, they got some replacing to do for sure. So we faced them twice, uh, 2005, 2006, lost to them, uh, up there and then, and then beat them at Cajun field. So, yeah, yeah it was uh back-to-back -back years too. We went there and lost badly, uh, 31 to 10 in 05. And then we backed it up and just basically flipped the script the following year. We beat them 33 to 14, uh, in Cajun field the following year. And, and that was with Jerry Babb at quarterback, Tyrell Fenroy and Jason Terry just exploding in that game. Let's go ahead and jump right into the offense. Let's start out with the quarterback. Uh, I, I noticed that, that you put here, you know, last year's team, 34, over 3,400 yards passing, uh, yeah. 1,900 on the ground, but both quarterbacks are gone and their uh, running backs gone. But what does this new quarterback have to do? And have I seen him before? Yes, you have. Um, if you follow Sunbelt football, you've seen him quite a bit. Uh, he was a guy who's played at Troy for a while. He he battled with Gunnar Watson, who's Troy's starter this year, um, for the starting job last year. They bounced back and forth. He started a bunch of games. Gunnar Watson started a bunch of games. They had some injuries, so they went back and forth. Um, so so uh, uh, Mr. Powell, uh, Taylor Powell, transferred out and ended up at EMU. So um, he's a guy who the Sun Belt is very familiar with. The Cajuns aren't necessarily familiar with him because when we played them last year, we saw Gunnar Watson, uh, not Taylor Powell. But if you're a fan of Sunbelt football, you do know who Taylor Powell is and you've seen him. He's, you know, he's, he, he's had a pretty good history of success. Um, I, from everything I've read on his board and the, on the EMU board and the Troy board and just hearing other people, one of the big concerns with him is the strength of his arm. Um, he's just not, he doesn't have an overpowering arm and he's not much of a runner. So it's, it's a drop back guy. He's going to try to throw the ball around the field, uh, but can't necessarily go deep all the time. Okay. Um, what did he do this past weekend though? Do you, I mean, I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah. I, I threw uh, one out of left field. I don't know if you got, no, 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 no. I, I was ready. I was actually ready for you. Um, and look I, at you. <laughs> starting he, to read my mind. That's a scary thought. That, that's a scary thought. Um, I actually watched uh, most of that game. Uh, I think it was Friday night. I want to say um, it was, it was before Saturday. It was either Thursday or Friday night. I was bouncing back and forth between games and I had that one on as well. Um, he struggled mightily early, um, couldn't get anything going, and actually ended up with pretty decent numbers. He was 21 of 30 for 271 yards and three touchdowns, did throw a pick, but the first quarter was horrendous for him. I mean, it was, I remember the announcers talking about it, that, you know, and look, they didn't play a powerhouse. They played Eastern Kentucky, who was a is an FCS school and not a great FCS school. Um, and he had all kind of fits early in the game, um, but then pulled it together and ended up with a, a you know, statistically wise had a pretty good game. Uh, but then he, uh, he had his own issues. Like I said, he's not a guy who's going to take the ball and run it up the field. So if he's struggling throwing the ball, they're going to struggle in the passing game uh, just because he's not a weapon with his feet whatsoever. Um, so how do they replace their running back? I mean, I, I know they've got some, uh, some guys that have come in are not necessarily come in, but they've, they've got some guys that are there and some yeah. that have come in. How do they, uh, where are they, how strong are they now at the running so backs? I, I was, I was actually impressed. This is a team that in 2021 threw the ball all over the field and, and they, you know, they, they didn't run a ton they struggled a little bit here and there in the running game. Um, they had one guy, Jawan Hamilton, who ran the ball pretty well last year. They replaced him with a guy who's been on the team for a while, Samson Evans, who's a six foot, two hundred eighteen pound uh, running back. He rushed for about three hundred sixteen yards last year, three point eight yards a carry. But I watched the game, and he's an impressive runner. Um, he's an inside tackle to tackle type runner. He's a big physical kid. 
Um, but I was actually impressed with, again, he was playing Eastern Kentucky, so it's hard to really gauge. But I was impressed with the way he ran the ball. And then they've got two really good change of pace guys behind him. Uh, Jalen Jackson, who's a transfer from Lamar, uh, who's a 5'7 change of pace guy, a little bitty guy, but man, he, he's just a, a stat back type guy. And then they've got Darius Boone, who can do some things specifically out of the backfield in the passing game, who's a pretty exciting runner as well. Um, so, so they've got some weapons at running back from what I saw in the first game. I don't know how it's going to translate into playing a little bit tougher competition when you get to Cajuns. And then they've got Arizona State after us, and they've got Buffalo, who's a, usually a pretty decent team after that. But against Eastern Kentucky, they, they handled the ball well running it. I, I, was, I, I was more impressed with their running game than I was with their passing game, to be honest with you. Why, is there, why are all the running backs leaving Lamar? That's a good question. We've got one, and, and, and they have one. So I don't know what's going on in Beaumont, Texas, but, uh, yeah. It's, well, have you uh, ever been to Beaumont, Texas? Oh, I've been there. <laughs> I, 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 you know, I think about this. Back in, uh, wow, it must have been early 90s, 91 or 92. I was sitting at home. I, I used to work at Bell's Sporting Goods on Johnston when it was still there. And uh, after work one day, I decided I was going to leave and I was going to go watch the Cajuns play basketball. I said, well, I'm going to drive to Beaumont. It's a short drive, right? I'm going to go see the Cajuns play basketball. And I remember it vividly. I didn't stay. I drove back that night, but I got there early enough to watch the women's game. Uh, or the second half of the women's game. When I walked in, the score was awful. I think it ended up being 125 to like 30. We lost. Oh, I was going to say, were we that good back then? No, 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 no. We were terrible. And then the men proceeded to lose right after that, too. It was a really awful day. And there's nothing to do in Beaumont, Texas, to be honest with you, as I drove home. Well, I want to say it was probably 1989. It was the American South Conference Tournament. It was in Beaumont. We go over and... Um, we have a couple beers and have dinner and then uh, we're at a Chili's, I believe. And we go over and um, I asked the guy, we're sitting at the bar. I asked the guy for a go cup oh, and, and he goes, excuse me. I said, a go cup. He goes, I, I don't know. Wrong place, and man. I said, uh, I said something I can pour this long neck into so I can, so we can leave. He says, Oh man, you must be from Louisiana. We don't have that here. That's right. So I proceeded to, to, stick the beer bottle down my pants standing at the yeah. bar and walked out the door. We drove over. I was finishing my beer and I was walking up to throw and I had, I was sipping the beer while I was walking up to, 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 to throw it, uh, uh, throw my beer bottle away in the garbage can. And I hear, uh, this ain't Lafayette. They're going to take you to jail for that. I yeah, said, nice. <laughs> don't know if it was a Cajun fan warning me or what. But well, you had, I, I'm sure you had plenty of room down there to put the beer bottle in your pants. I oh, shut up. <laughs> this is a family show, Dave. It's a family show. We don't need to be going over there. So, um, we got through the running backs, uh, wide receivers. Yeah. Um, go ahead. Uh, seem to have a lot of guys back, but is, is there, uh, I mean, I see their main guy, it's 5'8, 170 pounds. Can he, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I again watched him play. I actually very impressed. Hassan Bedoun, uh, really good player. Um, he is he's a little bitty guy, but I'm gonna tell you, he he puts up some big numbers. Last year, he had 97 catches for him. Ninety-seven. Um, yeah, he's a he's a he's a heck of a player, um, and he he's got some help there too. Dylan Drummond, who they love a lot, is a six-foot guy. Two, their two main receivers are not – or actually three of their main receivers are not big guys. Uh, Tanner Canoe is 5'11". Dylan Drummond is six-foot. And then, of course, Baydown is uh, 5'8". So they're not real big guys. They did bring in a guy, Darius Lassiter. I heard Coach Creighton talking about his game uh, this weekend. He's six-foot-three. And then uh, they've got another guy, Zach Westmoreland. 
uh, who's 6'2", but really their threat on the big side of the, the receiver is going to be uh, Darius Lassiter, who they like a lot, uh, and they're going to go to him when they need to go to a big receiver. But, again, I, I like this matchup with the Cajuns because of our bigger defensive backs and the way our defensive backs play. Um, I, I Rarely am I going to be a fearful of teams that we play with their receivers, especially the way I saw uh, the Cajuns play against – and again, I know it was Southeastern, but the way we played against Southeastern on Saturday night in the defensive backfield really impressed me. And while these guys are pretty good for, for uh, Eastern Michigan, I don't think I, we, we have a lot to worry about. Well, while we're talking about the wide receivers, because we usually don't go over – uh, the previous week's game or anything like that. But since we're talking about that, let's let's return to the Cajuns game against Southeastern. You were just talking about and in the, the the lockdown that we had on the wide receivers for Southeastern. So a lot of people, the, the comments I got from a lot of people is we didn't we that I hear is that we didn't put pressure on the quarterback. But was that because he had so much not because he had so much time to throw is because we had their receivers locked down. He didn't have anybody to throw to. Yeah, I think a lot of it was that. And look, I, I think I'm, uh, you know, and I'd have to go back and watch a little bit more of the tape because I, I think you and I have talked about this quite a bit. When, when you go to the game, it's a little bit harder because you're in the action and you're watching it and you're not thinking about things. And sometimes I go back and watch the game again the next day to get a better idea of what I witnessed while I was sitting in the, in the stands. Uh, our defensive backs played phenomenal football uh, Saturday night. Uh, and, and I was the same thing. I walked out of the stadium saying, man, I wish we would sack the quarterback a few more times. I wish we had gotten more pressure on him, made him move a little bit more. Now, we're going to be playing a different type of quarterback this year, this week, right? We, we, you know, uh, Southeastern had a quarterback who was very mobile, could get out of the pocket and do some things. Uh, and was a little harder to sack. I think this weekend we're going to see a little bit more. I think we're going to turn the, the tempo up, and, and we'll talk about that with the offensive line that we're going to face and some other things. But I really believe that the, the way our defensive backs are capable of playing makes it really hard on quarterbacks, right? They can sit back there. And, and you know, it's vice versa, right? Sometimes your defensive line – is the reason your backfield looks good. Sometimes your backfield is the reason your defensive line looks good, right? Because they're yeah. playing so well. But our defense overall, I was very impressed with our defense this weekend. Uh, you know, we had some holes and some things we can correct. But the defense, most of the defense, most of the night was really hard to, to find a whole lot of bad things to say about it. Well, how much of that, though, was uh, you think uh, Co Coach Morgan first game, as a defense according, how much of that was let's not show our hand too early in the season. It, it could be. It, Cause we didn't absolutely. need to blitz. No, I, I, yeah, I, I think, look, and look, I, I can't speak for coach Morgan, but I can tell you this. I, I, I believe in his mind. He was thinking, look, we got bigger fish to fry and we got, you know, we don't have to show everything on game one, right? We're going to win this game by playing good, solid defense, right? That's his job, defense. He doesn't have to worry about anything else. And I, I you know, I'd give, I'd give our overall defense and Coach Morgan a B-plus uh, at the lowest grade um, the way we played on Saturday night. And I think there were some things we could improve, but I, I think overall we, we, looked, we looked really solid. We looked solid against the run. We looked solid against the pass. We didn't, you know, I think, yeah, Jay was talking about it on a on Scott Fraser's show today. We really didn't give up a lot of big plays, right? I think there was one pass for 25 yards, and then there was a pass that they got called back uh, because of the penalty. But overall, there weren't many big plays, and that's what you want to do as a defense: not give up the big play. Uh, well, the longest pass play they had was 18 yards, and then uh, Carlos Washington Jr., who I thought played really well. Mm -hmm. had a run of 25 yards. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, but, but again, I'm not sure. And, and I don't know this. I mean, I, I'm just, again, um, talking here. I, I'm not sure that it, it, 
I'm sure they talked about it, but I'm not sure it was Coach Morgan's decision. It may have come down from the top, from uh, from uh, from Coach Desimo saying, "Hey, I understand you got these things. We've been practicing these things, but let's stay calm. Let's stay vanilla. We're gonna, yeah. you know, this is a game." My point being is, I think you're gonna see the first, same thing in the first. The team that we saw last year on defense was not at the end of the season was not the same team we saw at the end of the season uh, at the beginning of the season the beginning. no i i agree with that look and a lot of this look and i like the way this cajun schedule sets up right i like the fact that exactly we we played southeastern first week we get a little bit tougher competition with eastern michigan and rice the next week and we get into some conference play before we build up to what we all think is going to be a really good game against marshall right so I like the building up and, 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 and being able to, especially with a, a new team, a lot of new moving pieces on this team to try some different things in these games where you think you don't have to do thing to win. You can try some, some different defenses or some different offenses, try different, uh, you know, I think overall, that's what we're going to see with the next couple of games is let's try some stuff because we've got to be ready to physically throw everything at them and at the Marshall game. Right. I think that's, that's probably the, the I think that's a key, but at the same time, I mean, uh, from, you know, we'll discuss this at the end of the podcast, but South Alabama is not going to be, no, no, know, but I think that's our that. first, it, if you had to take it right now, that's our first real yeah. test. Now, mm-hmm. if we look past all these teams, it's not going to be our first test. It, and by that time, it could be too late. Yeah. But moving on, let's go back to yeah. uh, Eastern Michigan. Uh, talk to me about this big boy at the tight end position, 6'5". Yeah. Gunner Oaks is, is you know. I was another another guy that. Richard really Senior, have... but was he there before? Um. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's been there. Okay. Um, look, I, he's, I know he was there last year. He, he wasn't a guy who put up huge numbers last year. He only had 11 catches for 125 yards last year. I watched this game. He's a, he's a solid player. He is a really, really good player. Uh, and he's a, he's a weapon for them. Um, and, and, and it was, it was impressive to see him play because he was, he was making plays in space uh, over the middle of the field. So our linebackers are going to have a little bit of a challenge with him. Um, so I'm, I, you know, he's a guy that I think we really got to keep an eye on, on. He had three catches for 32 yards. He had a long of 15 in that game, but, but he was all over the field and he, I think he had about five passes thrown to him, but he only caught three of them. That the two he didn't catch for his fault, but he's, he's a weapon for them. And look for a team that doesn't have a lot of big receivers, he becomes a weapon because of his size, right? He's the guy that you're going to look to. So I, I, I was impressed with him. Now they did lose a, what, what I, everything I read, a really elite blocking tight end who wasn't a threat to catch the ball uh, last year, a guy they liked a lot. Um, so they don't have that as a weapon for them as far as a blocking tight end, but Gunnar Oaks is a guy who can catch the ball for sure. Good deal. It looks so. like he has been there. This is his fifth year and is a red shirt senior. So, yeah. okay. Um, let's move to the offensive line. I, I always, I always, and this may be a bad comparison, but I've always compared the, the Mac towards more of the, more or less the big, the big 10 and the Sunbelt more or less similar to the SEC in styles of football. I'm not talking about, with you know with the big players but they run they're very similar in 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 styles of football the way they play i I, I think you're absolutely right i mean you know the big ten's always been more of a physical pound grounded pound type conference and i think for the most part the mac is similar to that the the sec is a, a you know has the big boys up front, but has the speedsters on the outside and i think the sun belt's similar to that again i wouldn't compare the athletes I just, the style of football is very similar, right? And I, I think that's a lot of it's to do with the, the homegrown talent that you're getting, right? You In the SEC, in the Sun Belt, you're getting players from the Southeast, you're getting them from Florida and Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, and Texas, and, you know, uh, North Carolina, et cetera. Whereas in the MAC, you're getting them from Ohio and, and, and Michigan and, and 
the, the middle America, right? So you're getting some big physical uh, players. And nothing shows that more than their offensive line at 6'5", 334, 6'7", 305, 6'4", 317, 6'4", 309, 6'4", 316. So what, what, I mean, that's some big boys. Are they going to be able to move? Is our speed going to be there to be able to to do something i'm i'm just wondering what gives here so i in reading a lot about the first game they look this team returns four of their five starters on the offensive line the only guy they lost was a all mac guy at center and they replaced him with a transfer to so it was weird they they replaced him with a transfer from michigan state uh who never played at michigan state uh, but transferred in. It was a guy they recruited really hard. They didn't get him. He ended up getting a scholarship to Michigan State. Didn't play. Transferred back to EMU. Uh, Dimitri Douglas. But then Coach Creighton in an interview today or yesterday, but I heard it today, said that Richard Bates, who was projected as the starting center, is going to be available, and both of those guys could play. So four of the five guys are seniors. Three of them, I believe, are grad transfers. I mean, not grad transfer, but graduate students. So they've been in the program a long time. And then the other two guys is, is the center position, and it's two new guys that they're trying to figure out which one is going to be the best guy. But they were not impressed, the fans on the fan boards, and, and, and with the way the offensive line played against Eastern Kentucky on, on Friday night. So I think there's some things that they are concerned about with that group while they're big and they're physical and they're, you know, experienced. I don't know if they're necessarily uh, guys that they're really happy with, uh, which is concerning when you've got a team with that much experience on it, you would expect that they would be a much better offensive line. And look, every coach says the game one, the game two is where they improve. They're going to be looking to improve that offensive line. Absolutely. Dave, let's go ahead and take our first break. We babbled enough about 17 <laughs> different things uh, here. Uh, we'll come back and we'll talk about the defense. You're listening and we're talking today. We're talking football with Dave Amato, Raging Dave on Raging Page. And shout out to all the guys in Turbine. Appreciate you guys listening. It's been a fun season so far, but it's early and we're going to continue rocking. Any redistribution or reproduction of any part or all of the contents in any form is prohibited except Ah, who the hell are we kidding? Distribute it, share it, put it in your podcast, broadcast it, or put it on social media. Just give credit where credit's due. 